Hello, and welcome to the RPG PodQuest. It's a show that's not only about RPGs, but also is an RPG. Wow, it's been so long since I've said that, I almost forgot how to do it. <laughs> um, I am your host, the host that has been here for the most episodes, Evan. But with me, I have my lovely co-host, Nick. How are you, sir? I am pretty good, Evan. It's, uh, it's been too long since we've been able to do this. Apologies to the listeners. Too long. Too long is two weeks, people. <laughs> That's too long for us. Pesky real life getting in the way. Believe it or not, some things do take higher priority in life. Than video games? Are you sure? I know. I mean, listen, I'm not going to say that uh, I'm a gamer or anything. Uh, actually, I, I really don't like using that word. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I, I don't let my, my playing of video games define, uh, my life all that much. You like to dabble uh, in the medium. Yes. I, I actually, I, I tell my, my students at school, I tell them that I am some, I am a video game enthusiast. That's, that's what I'd, I'd rather be <laughs> considered than a gamer. Uh, especially when you, when you're on Twitter and you see people refer to themselves as that, it is... Uh, as the kids say these days, cringe. <laughs> That's enough about gaming and gamers. We're going to talk about, well, I guess we're still going to talk about video games. But we're going to talk about some news that has been uh, going on in the world of video games. And Nick, uh, I think the first news item was something that you wanted to point out. Uh, you want to share that with us? Yeah, well, I mean, I think this is probably also the first time we've had uh, more than one piece of news we wanted to talk about, so that's exciting. <laughs> um, yeah. But so my, my piece of news I've put here was the, the announcement of the Final Fantasy VII, um, oh God, I can't even remember what tagline they used, retrograde, regrade, whomever, coming to PC, which is great, especially with, you know, the DLC content coming to the Epic Game Store, um, announced it, I think it was at the Video Game Awards. Um, yes, and when so. I added this to the uh, the share document a week ago, we were all quite optimistic. As of today, I believe it's been <laughs> released, and I think Digital Foundry have labelled it as the worst AAA PC port they have ever seen in their life. Or so, uh, something wow. to that regard. So, um, buyer beware. That's surprising. You usually don't just shadow drop these things out of nowhere, and these things don't normally come out of nowhere unpolished right? no you usually you usually keep quiet about these things because you're working on polishing them yeah i i, ha I have the exact quote here as well so digital foundries alex battaglia this is literally the worst triple a release i have seen on pc in a good time i humbly submit that no one should buy it wow that's too bad because uh you know this is a great opportunity for more people to experience this game that a lot of people have fallen in love with, but they're not going to do that if it's not uh, running well. I, I, that, that does surprise me in a lot of ways that they would not, you know, hold off on this. And maybe it was the video game awards themselves that yeah. they kind of said, uh, you know, we can. We uh, can. Yeah. I, it, it could also be timed because, you know, this time of year, Epic, are doing their big, you know, uh, new free game um, every day, which I don't know if you managed to yesterday, but it was Shenmue 3. So, um, uh, uh, always, game. 
always yes. good to get <laughs> yes. on and grab a game that you will probably never get around to playing. Yeah, well, that one also has a questionable uh, reception in history. It right? does. It's it's yeah. It, 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 it you know what? It is an amazing. I th- that is probably a great question for. It is a great sequel because if it was made twenty years ago. Um, but yes, I, I digress. That we have more news. Um, let's 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 jump on to the next one quickly. It's um, the not an RPG. No. no Just... Well, well, we don't know. It we we haven't had the game released yet, Evan. It could be. You know, maybe they're going back to their roots, redefining the genre. Um, okay. Bre- Breath okay. of the Wild Two had some um some big patent leaks, um occurring last last week, um which you know. Uh, amusingly just sort of showing off some of the mechanics that we had seen in the original trailer such as you know the jumping up through landscapes above you freezing and reversing time as sort of a a, a game mechanic there might have been one more there that i've forgotten but there quite... is i believe it's some sort of uh mid-air archery sort of that's system. right depending on how you're falling what way the bows you know the probably a bit more physics physics-y related um yeah which is, yeah, you know, interesting that they, I think, are taking this seriously and maybe there's some other game mechanics in there that we are, you know, hopefully we'll we'll find out about soon. I mean, the fact that they would... I mean, I should say, I've seen a lot of hardware patents, but I've never seen software patents uh, of this level of detail. Yeah. And maybe it's just because, you know, we don't normally see these sorts of things or there there isn't usually a game that's this hyped up enough that people are scouring patents in order to you know to to find out more information about it yeah so i've never seen uh you know game mechanic patents like this especially not to this granular level like i think it, it it'll happen with something like let's take a, a super monkey ball you know with the whole gameplay mechanic is the game Right. Um, mm-hmm. But not necessarily to that, you know, and this is what I think Nintendo does well in some of these games is they introduce a mechanic that is just a part of the game, but in some games could theoretically be the entire purpose of said game. Yeah, for sure. And But uh, also a part of me says, well, if these things are important enough to be patented, right, or that, you know, these... these uh, these mechanics are well fleshed out enough that they're receiving a patent that they're going to be a major part of gameplay yep. and you know a part of me thought when we saw that original trailer of uh link kind of warping up into the sky with this you know new ability i was i i thought oh this is just going to be some sort of like cutscene, uh initiated uh, non-gameplay yeah element. but but if this is going to be something i mean it, it makes a lot of sense in terms of you know letting letting the player explore more you know if you it, give them the freedom to exactly. do that i i instantly now want a xenoblade chronicles x sequel with this mechanic <laughs> you know i'm just imagining popping up through some of those sky islands from the ground you know you've got some of those real badass bosses were sitting sort of floating up in those sky islands just springing yeah. up as sort of as part of that would be quite exciting yeah and and you know despite you know whether or despite the the degree of freedom that you're going to have in in terms of executing this which again the patents do seem to imply that this this is going to be a very free thing is it going to be instantaneous are we are we talking loading times uh, substantial loading times here 
that that is something that I'm curious about. Yeah, and and I really hope it's just as fluid as the um you know the tablet mechanics in Breath of the Wild yeah. one, which were yeah. I I would hope so. Um, but yeah, so this, so all of these things, uh, all of these ideas, maybe the, the archery one, I kind of, I feel like I need to see that in action to really get a feel for how, uh, important or essential that would be. Um, but that, that's cool. But this, this does make me excited, uh, more excited for this. Uh, I, I'm, I, I am hoping that this sequel is, I, I really hope that you know, there are a lot of people who hate the minimalism of Breath of the Wild and whether or not it's something that you love or hate, mm. it's it's essential to the mood of that game. Um, but if we're going to be moving forward from that point, if we're moving beyond this, you know, calamity and and giving people the, the chance to, to rebuild and have time yeah. pass... Um, I'm really hoping that the sequel does evolve this gameplay to the point where people can't really <laughs> complain about that element. 100%. And something I'm also keen is, I mean, like we spoke about, you know, the other week about Metroid Dread sort of shaking up a genre. It did shake up the open, open world genre. Um, and <laughs> I, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what else they do with it. The, the genre has sort of caught up to Breath of the Wild and surpassed it now. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to see if they expand anything there or, you know, where, where they take that. Well, uh, you know, I, and I, <laughs> this is just our news section, but I, I, I would be curious to hear your thoughts on this. You say that it's caught up to Breath of the Wild. I've played a couple of games similar in openness and scope and scale to Breath of the Wild since that game came out. But I don't necessarily know if I I think that anyone has surpassed. I uh, I that would game. nominate two games. One I'll talk about a bit later, so I won't mention it now. But I think something like Genshin Impact, okay, yeah. is is uh, certainly and obviously the budget for that. You know, it's not a it's not a game a style an open world that you can hit on a lower end budget. It's yeah, it's no. it's still the big boys that are are doing this, and and I think you'll probably see a couple of smaller developers start to hit that soon. I mean, I say yeah. Genshin Impact; it, they probably were a small developer when they started off, but that game has just blown up in the last two years. I, I think because for me, when after Zelda, you had uh, Genshin Impact, and oh, what was that Ubisoft one? The Immortals Phoenix. Exactly, Rising. those two were the very first ones announced after Breath of the Wild, and I just thought, yeah. well, here we go. Um, and and I do think, but but to your point, I do think that Genshin, uh, Genshin's on that same level, and I think what what they are managing to do in a way, uh, surpassing, uh, I guess, Breath of the Wild uh, would be just the consistent content. Yeah, and, and that's sort of thing. You know, nothing's gone. Hey, we are one hundred percent better. It's they've taken elements and improved here and there. It's yeah, you know sure. they, they've evolved what what Breath of the Wild did, not but not I also think... not recreated it, if you will. Yeah, and I think that they are unfortunately also held back a bit by some of their genre trappings. If we go back to like gotcha mechanics, uh, yes, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all. That's all really valid stuff, and I'm curious to hear what you're going to talk about later. Uh, so, in terms of some other news, uh, we did hear from the last uh, indie world uh, presentation that Sea of Stars is on its way to. Multiple platforms, which in particular 
uh, which it, it's a great looking game. This is from the developers of The Messenger, and I believe it's also set in the Messenger universe. They, yeah, which... they should have said it's it's not critical to to get on board, but it's sort of in the same world. Which kind of fascinates me because I really felt that The Messenger was very much just like an action platformer uh, where in a lot of those games, I mean, save for, I don't know, Mega Man, yep. you don't really have a whole lot of story. Um, but the fact that they feel that they can expand this universe out into a RPG is exciting in a lot of ways. Um, game looks great. It looks absolutely a, charming. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's refined SNES, right? Maybe you could yep. you could yep. call it that with some. I think you've better... just created a, a subgenre of art. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, there's a, there, there are some other games that I think could fall into that category too. But uh, you've got your additional lighting effects and such, uh, which also reminds me, uh, this is news that's maybe not, you know, like Nintendo related mm. or anything, which, um, but there were a couple of scans from Famitsu, uh, the Japanese magazine, mm-hmm. of the uh, Pixel remaster remake i'm not really sure what we're calling these now uh, yes. final fantasy 6 right? looks amazing like i i've i've the other ones i haven't dabbled in because to me it's kind of just been like oh they've updated a bit of this and that but i think it was yeah. was it the, the the chapel scene or something just looked completely fresh which was nice i i am curious i, I mean honestly you know of of any of the earlier you know, Final Fantasy games, mm-hmm. and you could argue four. You know, I I think deserve some attention, but four did get its you know got its heyday with the DS uh, version, yep. right? Which was a, a nice visual remaster, um, maybe not perfect, but not terrible. But I think that six has been it, it deserves this. It deserves a, a nice uh, cleaning up and and repolishing because it's a great game. Uh, so I'm I'm really looking forward to that and seeing what that looks like and hoping that it comes to consoles too. Um, the yeah. last thing, <laughs> uh, the last thing that I mean, it, well, I should just say it surprises me that Square Enix was just so blatant about being like these uh, HD pixel remasters are coming to pc and mobile devices whether they do something similar they've done with some of their other you know package it up as a collection because they've put out especially on the switch quite a few collections they Um, have i i just wonder like how do you how do you bundle that do you do all six titles well or you go one to four and then five and six You, you know one one three and four to six just seems a bit weighted if you know what i mean yeah yeah i i agree yeah so that that would be that would be because that's sort of what they did with the the mega man games there were a lot more on the earlier mega man game collections and then they started to spread them a bit thinner as the games got got larger and yeah right the x x collections right were split yes into... huh yeah that's a that's a very good point uh, and i didn't consider that either uh, the last thing that I wanted to mention was that uh, Edge of Eternity 
was announced uh, for the Switch. Uh, there's going to be a Switch port, uh, and other uh, consoles are getting it too. The sad thing about this, in my opinion, is that the game, which is an indie uh, project, uh, very much trying to recreate the sort of style of 90s era Square Enix uh, titles, um, but add some maybe new gameplay uh, nuances and yeah. really have just uh, rather sharp visuals. The game is going to be a cloud release uh, on the Switch. And I will say, uh, you know, I believe that there are some games that absolutely need to be on the cloud in order to operate on Switch. If Genshin Impact were to ever come to Switch, uh, which... Yeah, don't get me started on that. That's... <laughs> is a sore spot for yeah. some people. Um, but if it were to come to switch, it would most certainly be a cloud game. Um, and, you know, I, I think things like uh, control and uh, Hitman, right. These are definitely games that, that need the, that need that cloud design in order to operate on switch, but edge of eternity, that kind of came as a surprise to me. And it, it, it is really... bordering on that. Does it need to, or do we just downgrade it a little bit? And yeah, well, yeah. the good news for you is you can play the cloud version. The bad news for me is they do not release the cloud versions in Australia. <sighs> yeah, that's, our, our that's, internet's not good enough. That is a bummer. Yeah, um, but I mean, I I don't I don't cloud game, and I I know that might seem kind of silly. I own a lot of digital games. Um, but I also own a lot of physical copies too, and it's because I really like to feel like I own my media, and yep. that that sort of cloud system it just doesn't vibe. Yeah, for for me, I I wouldn't want to buy a cloud game outright, but I don't mind subscribing to a cloud game service. Yeah. You know, that's uh, especially. I mean, I'll talk about it a bit late, but with Game Pass, you know, you do have access now, and I think that's perfectly vi viable i'm you know more than happy especially for some of the newer games if my pc is not running it jump on or if i've got an older xbox you know great solution um, right yeah but not i'm not paying 60 dollars for a cloud version of a single game right yeah and i i agree completely i i think a service again that's one one reason why i could i <laughs> It's one reason I do justify my Nintendo Switch uh, online subscription. Is yep. I'm not <laughs> I'm not going out of my way to play a lot of those uh, you know online app NES and SNES games, but I do know that they're available to me. And for the amount that I pay every month in order to have access to that entire library, yeah, that's completely worth it. Yep, but, uh, exactly right. It's, it's one of those things you weigh it up over the year and it's like, you know what, if I was to go out and splurge on two or three of those games on eBay because I want to play them, right. uh, I've blown over that number multiple times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, that was pretty much all the news. I mean, have you have you seen any gameplay or, or heard of Edge of Eternity? No, I am. Um, when you put it in the show notes, and, and I think you might have mentioned it uh, another time, but yeah, I've not really. I'm having a look now. It, it looks quite nice, but came out a couple of years ago is my understanding I'd, I'd never heard of this what I, I, uh, I, I couldn't really find any background who's associated I guess with uh, the game was what I was sort I of trying to find <laughs> yeah uh, it's 
it's been a project uh, that's been in progress for uh, a long time. I think it was in uh, early access for a while, um, or at least in some sort of beta format had been being tested. And then I think early this year, they finally uh, released the game in a, okay. in a semi-solid state. Um, I have a friend who has been following it a great deal. Yeah. He was really excited about it. So that was one of the reasons that like my ears had perked up about it. Uh, obviously, I don't think I'm going to, you know, dip into this, which I think is a shame, but I would love to at some point in the future. Yeah, I mean, and looking at that, it's, you know, it looks like I'm assuming these are US prices, but standard edition, $30. Um, it, it certainly looks like a game that's, you know, worthy of that with the, the amount of love that seems to have been put in here. Oh, sure. And I, I do think for an independent uh, title, a smaller studio title, it, it yep. looks pretty high quality. Um, and I don't know if that were the price of the cloud. <sighs> Here's what I will say. I know that when the Switch first came out, you know, you had a lot of indies releasing physical copies of games mm -hmm. that were priced pretty high. And it was because of yep. the cartridge, uh, you know, pricing and just kind of competing in the physical space with other, you know, full full release uh, retail titles. Maybe some people see this cloud opportunity as a means of, of keeping the, the price tame and and not having to dip into the the cartridge yep. uh prices all that much but i uh, i don't know if the trade-off is is worth it that's right i've just seen it's launching on game pass so i will have a dabble when it comes out oh okay yeah great uh and i would be really curious to hear your thoughts now we shall book uh, it in for early february Alrighty, sounds good. There's a there's a couple of other games I'm actually pretty excited about coming early next year, but we'll talk about those next year, right? Let's talk about what's been Let's, going on now. Yeah. Right. So, uh, well, we kind of went back and forth in the news section. Nick, you want to start us off? I was going to say, uh, why don't we go a bit back and forth here? Let's get a rhythm going. I'll I'll start it up, and we can uh, we can jump around. I. I guess I, I want to start with the big game I played uh, in the last fortnight. Well, I say big. It's the one I want to talk about, but it itself probably took about five hours to finish, give or take. Um, you know, this was one of those ones I, I'm playing while I'm eating dinner. I'm watching a bit of TV. I've got it there in the background. It's unpacking. Um, right. it's, it's on Game Pass. And for those that haven't seen this one, it is a quaint point and click game call it with with the art style of uh you know what what did you call it before snes snes modern or whatever it was it's got that pixelated art but essentially you are unpacking boxes to move into a new home you know you you start off in a room let's say it's a bedroom there's a pile of boxes there you click them it gives you an item you set it into the room um and it's 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 absolutely charming wonderful music uh narrative sewn throughout which i'll get into in a little bit but you know you click a box you unpack you go oh where does this uh cassette player sit i'm going to sit that there on the table next to my bed where do these cassettes sit oh well i'll put them in the cupboard and you start off in i think it might be the year 1997 uh as a child you know you're in your your childhood room obviously moved with your family into this room as a kid you only need to set up one room 
then it fast forwards a bit to about 2001. You're in a student accommodation. You've moved out of home. You're in, you know, you've been enrolled in university or college now. And you start unpacking your things for your student accommodation. Now, it's, it's quite charming here because then you start to see, hang on, look, I've brought my childhood teddy with me. I've brought a cup that I made for my mum. You know, there's little things that you start to see. And then you finish that, you move again. This time you're moving into an apartment on your own. You know, you finished university. You've got a little one bedroom apartment. You've got a lounge room, a kitchen. So now you've got all new things. You've you've finally got kitchen things to unpack. You've got lounge room things to unpack, including video game consoles. And charmingly, because of the years, it's actually got, you know, representations of consoles throughout the time, um, which I thought was a really nice touch. But the narrative strewn throughout is is just wonderful. So after I unpack my, you know, first apartment after college, I, the next one I move into is a smaller apartment, but it's you know it's it's in the city and then you're also doing the same apartment again but this time you're unpacking the boxes of someone else so it's all it's, it's you know it's got a narrative thrown in there of you know you're meeting someone you're starting new careers you're moving on with your life purely based on the things that you are unpacking and laying out in the room and and there's a puzzle element to it too you know you can't just stick your toothbrush on the computer desk it, it won't let you successfully complete the level um but then just just seeing some of the things like your childhood teddy every time you move just getting you know damage you know it's it's one point it's got a cut in it the next time you unbox it it's got a patch sewn over where the cut was and there's you know you're unpacking hundreds of things so to see some of these things just deteriorate over the half a dozen or so moves is is quite nice and and the story that's just ongoing in the background and i don't want to go past sort of those university and and early relationship years because there's sort of a lot more that that does happen behind the scenes and and unless you're looking at what you're unpacking and putting away you'll you'll miss a lot of the story and I thought that was just really amazing I've I've never played anything like this and I think it's you know it's not necessarily an RPG but I really think it's worth spending the five hours just to go and have a look at this this game uh well Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. You know, I I had seen some screenshots of this, people sharing them on Twitter, just kind of asking, hey, where am I supposed to put this? And, you know, part of me, I believe there was another game having a a similar sort of concept. I believe it was called Moving Out, um, but was more similar to something like Overcooked, where instead of you know yeah making... ve- yeah much more novelty and and humorous in in regards yeah and so you know having seen that uh, and also to be uh, quite honest having moved apartments just this past summer myself <laughs> I was kind of like. Eh, know if i really want to use that was that was the bit for me because i um while i was living interstate before i've moved back home to my home state here i i moved probably you know seven or eight times in 10 years and 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 you know there are things you damage something in the move you you move into a new house because you've met someone or you move out because you have not you know it's it was it was very relaxing in that sense that you know and just like a charming touch was something like so I'm unpacking the boxes in, in my bedroom. This is one of the earlier, the student accommodation. And I've set my computer up. I've got a mouse. I've got a mouse mat. I didn't even think, you know, what's missing? No keyboard. 
10 minutes later, I'm unpacking the boxes in the bathroom. I'm pulling out my toothbrush, my toothpaste. There's my keyboard. And at that point, I'm just like, this, this just makes perfect sense because, you know, we've all packed, we've all moved. That's exactly what happens. The last things to go just get shoved in whatever box is available. Oh, yeah, and, for sure. And, and I think there, was, there were little touches there that, you know, it's... I, I think the only similarities I could say to that, uh, the other game you mentioned, are really the, the moving theme. Um, right. But it, yeah. it definitely is a, a point-and-click um, adventure game. You know, point-and-click puzzle game, we'll call it. It's, it's yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I love that. I, I You know, as someone who just played through this past year um, a short hike for the first time, yep. it's, it's sometimes, it's hard for me to, again, talk about RPGs, which can be such a huge time sink and tell very grand stories. And that's one of the reasons we love this genre. But then to go back to something that is five hours or yep. even you know sub 10 hours right that tells a, a compelling story 100 and i think I, I i need to get better at that i need to find those games and just you know i played this and then all of a sudden the next week i was just trying a bunch of things and enjoying myself yeah um, i think you, that's... You, you do get bogged down sometimes when you're trudging through a hundred hour rpg and going i can't play something else because otherwise this is just going to sit here and never progress Oh yeah, for sure. I, I get that completely. And so I agree, you know, it is, it is definitely sometimes you have to challenge yourself with finding those shorter experiences. Um, I did, I, I'm not sure if I talked about this the last time uh, we were on the podcast, but one weekend I just kind of sat down and blew through uh, Gato Roboto, which is a uh, pretty linear uh, sort of Metroidvania. Um, but took me about four hours to complete. Um, yep. It was a really pleasant experience, and uh, I, I, it, it gave me not necessarily the Metroid Dread ex- experience, but it was something in that style that I appreciated for what it did, and it, it did it in a modest amount of time. Yep. So it's like uh, anything. It's like work. It's like homework. It's ticking something off on your list and feeling, feeling like you have progressed. You know, it's a sure. hobby, so it shouldn't feel a chore. So to, so, so and you know, sometimes JRPGs do feel like a chore. Um, they do, and that's why it's it's yeah, it's it's a rough genre to be into because sometimes you know there's there's something there, but you've just got to get through ten hours to get back to where you want it to be. And I I get that as well. Um, and to go back to a game series that. Uh, I've talked about previously for the quest that I have this week, hmm. uh, which is a series that you've never gotten into. <laughs> um, I, I, I think back to Dragon Quest and why a hmm. lot of my friends like Dragon Quest, because it has this very episodic sort of format where you go to a new town, yep. kind of learn the story, <laughs> it, do a dungeon, um, and you you just get that sense of compartmentalizing your progress so that it's a predictable sort of structure for how you you digest that game but i will say not many rpgs are very good at presenting that sort of structure agreed and that's that's when the that's when the genre can become a bit tedious (laughs) yeah no certainly can but yeah that's unpacking and you know if if you are just looking for a change of pace, I 100% recommend just jumping in 
and you know you'll find out within the first hour if it's for you or not and and you you'll understand what's going on in the first hour but i I highly recommend it great well thank you i i i I will definitely take a look at it now excellent um, because of uh yep okay what about yourself evan (laughs) what's what's on the cards uh so i had previously just kind of mentioned star renegades uh, on the podcast but i hadn't really sunk a whole lot of time into it this is from a developer whose previous work i loved uh the game they released before this was called halcyon 6 which is a space station simulation game so to go back to this idea of really more hard sci-fi lots of mm. spaceships and trade routes and uh sometimes you you land on planets and and perform sieges and and such uh but really it's it's very much uh naval uh, i believe I, I used the word nautical the last time i talked <laughs> about space battles but that's not really what we're talking about here um but that game was great except for the ending which kind of creeps up on you really quickly and if you haven't prepared for it if you haven't planned ahead in order to prepare for the ending you can just get wiped by the final boss uh, so Halcyon 6, I would recommend if you're into spacefaring uh, RPGs, but I'd also recommend this game, which is Star Renegades. So I've previously uh, mentioned it. I uh, have talked about posting screenshots for it at some point because mm. holy moly, the uh, pixel art in this game is absolutely fantastic. This game, the first time that I played it, I... I started playing for maybe an hour or so, and I had to put it down because it was so visceral uh, with its color palette and a lot of the effects that it's utilizing. Um, but it's very high detailed uh, pixel art, uh, just really impressive and in some ways oppressive uh, sound design. Uh, the only thing that I would say about this is the there's there's some... There is a sci-fi element to this game. You're traveling to different planets, interacting with uh, aliens and robots and uh, ancient lore and whatnot. But there's also a (laughs) multi-dimensional element to this game, which is the enemies that you're fighting are so efficient at destroying uh, things that they are just going to go through the entire universe and destroy it. And if you can't stop them, then your universe is going to get destroyed. So what do you do? If you fail at defeating them, your universe gets wiped out and you jump to a new timeline. Hmm. So that is their justification for making this a roguelike. So the, the consequences of losing your run in this game are pretty dire. An entire universe gets destroyed. Um, but the, I, I, you know, some people complain that this game is very hard and in some ways I agree. I think that any roguelike has the potential to feel overwhelming when you don't understand the systems at play. And as you play this game for longer amounts of time, you, uh, you kind of get a better handle on mechanics and you kind of know what to expect as the game progresses. So you can set up your, your party uh, in, in a way that will guarantee your success. Uh, there's a lot of different attack types in this game. Uh, this uses a really neat sort of combat system 
where your actions appear on a timeline. And if you attack an enemy uh, with something that they're uh, weak against uh, before they act on the timeline, you actually knock them uh, back uh, on the timeline. And you can knock them so hard if you chain uh, certain characters' attacks together, you can knock them off of the timeline too, um, which really makes them very vulnerable. And then you can really just kind of wail on them. But you really need to weigh your options and see, you know, when your actions are going to really have an impact on your enemy or when you kind of just need to turtle up and heal or uh, replenish your shields or whatnot. Um, I like this game. I like it. I'm not sure if I love it. Uh, the the thing that I... the The thing that frustrates me about it a little bit is that the units that you uh use as your party members they're they're very archetypal you know you have a sort of tank you have a healer you have a uh a mage or maybe even some sort of like debuff uh debuffer uh, sort of class and they don't diversify you can't kind of build them in different directions you just kind of make them better at the one thing that they're good at doing. Yeah, okay. And depending on the sorts of randomized drops that you get from equipment boxes or uh, merchants or what have you, you might not be able to make them better. And so sometimes your run ends just because you didn't get the right equipment to make that one part of your party actually operate or scale properly with the challenges being presented yeah and, and i guess g- given given the consequences if if you haven't set yourself up for success you are uh, will be quite upset with yourself <laughs> yeah well the the funny thing is the 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 in-game you know story consequences of this are pretty rough you you're having you know entire universes uh timelines wiped out but yeah. this this is more or less just an excuse for the the systems at play, which is you know failing a run and then yeah. restarting it. And uh, the nice thing is, really, the more that you play, you kind of buff out the relationships of your your characters, your party members. I don't believe that progress carries over each time that you uh, restart a campaign. But once you know the skills that your characters will get, once you've unlocked a certain friendship level, uh, you know that you want to invest in those again um, so that you can access them later. Um, And also, when you do max out certain characters' relationships, you actually unlock new playable characters that you can use in your party, which is pretty cool. Nice. So yeah, that's uh, Star Renegades. It's a neat game. It, it, it looks quite good and I, it's funny looking at the art style obviously you said you were completely enamored by it it um i think there's been a few other games you you've said that too and the art style has been somewhat similar so I, i'm suggesting evan you may like the the pixelated look without a hard outline seems to be something that you're quite partial to because yeah, there's been yeah. one, or, one or two other games have had that sort of you know non-outlined um pixel art look and you've you've uh, likewise i think you've been quite enraptured by the visuals yeah, I would say, again, we were talking a little bit before we started the show about Kingdom, which definitely yep. has that vibe, too. Um, I think this game 
when you look at some of the character portraits, it, uh, it it's really where the the art style shines. But yes, you're you're very right. The lack of outlines, uh, I think, just kind of allows the objects to blend into their background and 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 mesh with the world. Uh, but yeah, I, I I I think you're you're right about that. Um, yeah, it's it's a neat game, but the roguelike uh, again. Uh, sort of nature of it you can with this game in particular you can spend like two hours on a campaign and then lose all of your progress and have to start back at square one which that that is a bummer um i will say so not for the faint of heart no and i think uh, i haven't really gotten into a lot of roguelikes but for me one that stood out i think it stood out for a lot of people because it was game of the year for a lot of people was hades last year right because you do not have that sense of, I have to start again. You have that sense of, oh, this is part of the game. You know, dying is what causes you to progress. And yeah. I think it, it's really just sewn into the narrative so that it's beaten into you very quickly. Hey, you want to die. You know, you want to be back here. You want to do this again because this is how you progress. Well, and, and some games, you know, approach this idea in different ways. You know, whether or not I truly was in love with moonlighter i think that the the game was where you are dungeon crawling and also uh owning a shop when when you go into the dungeons you defeat enemies and you get their drops which you can then sell uh, as items at your shop but if you if you die in the dungeon uh, if your character gets ko'd you lose half of your inventory so they kind of don't they they don't encourage um they don't encourage fighting until you drop. They actually encourage you to be mindful about how far you've gone into the dungeon. And they actually have a quick warp option, which makes it feel less like, oh, hey, you died in this scenario. Or like you're making a tactical retreat, Um, which is maybe a nicer way of putting the the roguelike uh, sort of uh, cycle. Uh, into context but i think it is important that you contextualize your uh your roguelike uh cycle if you're going to to make a game like this because that really does determine whether or not people feel like they're beating their head against a brick wall or they're progressing through something what 100 yep oh great uh so what else have you been playing um i've sort of been you know i mentioned before using the game pass i've sort of i don't know a few weeks ago you know we've been doing some renovations so i've been able to get things get things set up again and and get my consoles out and and prepared so i've kind of just been dabbling a bit into game pass and i actually spent the last week playing a fair bit of halo infinite which um not an rpg but i did want to touch on because this was one of those games i was thinking about earlier when we spoke about you know the breath of the wild open world i think i'm not one for online multiplayer that is not why i've dabbled in halo i've purely played it for the campaign um, and, you know, my FPS history is Halo 1, 2, 3, Portal 1 and 2, and if you want to call them Metroid Primes 1, 2 and 3. Um, you know, so I'm I'm not an FPS player, and I, I picked up Halo Infinite, and instantly I was just... Everything just, just worked for me. Um, yeah. You know, and the, and the first sort of hour or so your is fairly standard uh, original Halos. You're in a, a corridor, you know, you've got a... A little you know campaign mission but after an hour you're just plonked on this open world um it's yeah and it, I, it's I, yeah 
I was a bit surprised to hear this. Uh, I had heard some people say that it was like semi-open, um, but then as as kind of more impressions of the game came out, people were like, no, this is, this is fully open. It, and- it is fully open, except when you want to hit the story beats, you know, and that's, that's perfectly fine. You go to the location and in some of them you start going underground into dungeons and it's a more crafted experience. And I think that that's probably something Breath of the Wild could have used. You know, you had those dungeons, but it's probably just having those, but then going into a a, a more complex and different, you know, it gets different once you go underground and once you do those things. Yeah, um, I, I get that uh, entirely. And I was surprised to hear that a first person shooter would go open world. But from what I've heard about this, it it does seem to work rather well. I know that you are you're tackling these sorts of uh, points of interest or you know uh, uh, operate operative bases or what have you, and kind of clearing them out as checkpoints, right? Um, and then you Correct. do have these yep. story beats uh, where that that are a little bit more scripted content and and really give you the sense of of working towards something. So uh, I would, I mean, I'd love to give this a try yeah and you know the campaign itself was probably about 10 to 12 hours but the just getting around in that open world is just so fun it's you know similar to breath of the wild when you start and you explore and you can just climb you you've got a grappling hook my god it's good it i I, you know just just blasting that around swinging from trees shooting up cliffs that otherwise would be impossible you know and and getting to you know very early on i just went oh well there's the highest mountain that's clearly where i'm going get up there and you get the achievement you know point zero point point eight six people have got this achievement i'm like that's you know i mean it was the first day the game came out and a lot had been playing the multiplayer for sort of some weeks beforehand but it was just you know it's just it's satisfying and i've gone back to it now i finished the main story and i'm just going back and sort of you know beating some of these these mob bosses around the world and you know jeremy and i've spoken before we we're not ones to really go back to a game so it's it's extremely enjoyable and it's it does harken back to halo one two and three and i guess the feelings i had for these games back when i was a teenager i i think some shooters when a shooter really is great you can you can describe that shooter as uh having its feel right i think yeah uh, doom doom 2016 and doom eternal right uh they they have the same feel and it's not quite the same as classic doom but you can see where it is inspired by that in some ways and it's unique from other shooters uh, it's not very it's not like call of duty it's not like battlefield and halo has its own feel too and i think that them taking the feel and the the gameplay and the the weight of halo weapons and and just its overall gameplay flow and applying it to the open world space clearly uh is successful Um, because if you take those solid fundamentals and you put them in any context it's just going to feel like halo but with an open world and yeah and that's and that's something else i did dabble in a little bit um was just split gate which is effectively halo plus portal so two-thirds of all the fps's i've played um which which definitely just feels like a halo game so you know that is that is a thing now it is you can feel like a halo game and i think that's (laughs) and and it's nice you know in this the vein of metroid dread that halo has done it and done it better than a lot of these others and it's it's good 
you know, I always found the excitement around a new Halo to be something quite exciting. I never got into it um, a lot, you know, but just remembering some of the, like the Halo 3 launch being like one of the biggest launches in the world. And there, there was always that sort of level of pizzazz that just, just kind of made it a bit fun. And I think it's yeah. just nice to see that back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad to see that it's being received so well. This is a. I, I think this is a good way of of mixing genres and coming up with something new and compelling. Yeah, and you know, to be fair, there's more RPG elements in there than there are in Zelda. So, <laughs> you know, you you I, are actually earning uh, Spartan points through the game that you go and collect, and then you spend them on upgrades to upgrade your abilities and things like that. So. It, it's certainly got more of those elements than than you would see in a, a Zelda game. So I think it's, you know, it's probably more worthy of a conversation here than Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I, and I have heard that too. Which, uh, which you know, again, we go back to the idea of our RPG mechanics being added to everything yep. to benefit them. But uh, you know, to go back to Halo, right? Which another essential part of Halo is vehicular uh, combat and just vehicular uh, sort of movement. Um, that is an unlock that you get from the sort of progression system that this game offers, which I think is smart because it takes a classic Halo mechanic and ties it to this sort of open world progression system. 100%. And, and what are anything else you've been playing? Yeah, I just want to touch on uh, two games really quickly. Uh, the first one is in, <laughs> in reference to Zelda uh, is Death's Door which I would, I would say some people have, have likened to Dark Souls. I, after playing for a bit, I do think that this is more in the vein of, uh, of Zelda, but just with really punishing combat. Um, I'm going to be honest, I like the aesthetics of this, of this game very much, but I don't like all that much else about it. Uh, I don't think the combat is all that great. Um, I don't think a lot of the level design is great either, um, but it's really working all of its aesthetic charms, and that's what's keeping me invested in it. This is a, a quirky sort of game with a very strange sort of setting. Yep. Uh, you get sorts of dungeon tools in the same way that, that Zelda has dungeon tools, um, but that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Have you played or... Do you have any interest in Death Store, Nick? No, um, I've I've never even heard of it before. Um, but you know, it's just looking at it quickly now. I think there is a large number of these. Almost, you could almost call it a, a combination sort of twin stick shooter Zelda style game coming out. Um, I, I have actually been playing one that's similar. I'm just gonna pull up and check the name. I think it's Archvale. Yeah, which it's a little bit more bullet hell than... Yeah, than but they're, they're sort of like, you know, there's sort of a, a range in there as to how complex they get with that combat. But, yep. I you know, yeah, the exploration, and I think oh, it is something that these games now can all nail very well. Um, you know, and it's it's probably because it was perfected, you know, with things like... Um, uh, like uh, Zelda? Yeah, yes. <laughs> I was trying to think of the Zelda game there, um, you know link to the past and, right. and things like you know it's a it's like a final fantasy it's, it's just a mechanic now that these people have grown up with and are now creating and and they all do it so well and i think that is really nice to see and then you've got the mechanics that wrap around that and you can find something for everyone which is exciting it, it is an easy and reliable format 
the the thing that i don't like about this game is i'm fairly certain there is an expectation that people will die in this game because enemies respawn on Ah. on your death and by killing enemies that is pretty much the only way save for kind of exploring certain spots uh to get currency to purchase upgrades uh so obviously a very uh very skilled player can probably get through this game without any uh upgrades but they're almost expecting people to die so that they can upgrade things which makes it seem like the balance was skewed towards padding out your playtime rather than letting you have a, a very balanced sort of uh, means of progression. Yep, Coll- collect as many quarters as they can. Maybe they were 20 years too late on <laughs> publishing this one. Yeah. Um, and the other game, uh, again, another roguelike uh, that I kind of just returned back to very briefly uh, was Dreamscaper, which is a gorgeous looking game. Uh, where you are a young woman who has moved to a new town and you are uh, experiencing nightmares uh, and your nightmares are kind of, I don't know, I guess they are manifestations of the the things that you are struggling with uh, as an individual. But uh, during the day, you can explore the town that you have moved to and meet new people. And based on the relationships that you forge with them, uh, those become buffs uh, for your character as you enter back into the dream world. Um, this is an action roguelike, uh, and it has some combo systems. Uh, it has, as I said, a lovely art style, lovely music. But honestly, that's all I can really say about it. Other than that, it's a pretty, uh, and this is a harsh term to use, but it's a pretty bog standard Uh, sort of roguelike and there are some mechanics uh some progression mechanics that it has that i think would work well in other roguelikes but just because they're great here doesn't mean the entire game is great that's really all i have to say about it i I don't think i'm doing it uh, a great deal of respect or or reverence (laughs) but maybe maybe i maybe i need to sink more time into it in order to appreciate it yeah one of the benefits of the art style is that the game is very pretty to look at, but the game is also 3D in nature, so you get a lot of reuse of environments. Yeah. And that's kind of disappointing in a game that prides itself on its uh, sort of it, it, visual. Yeah, as I said, it certainly looks like it was a built-in Unity, and uh, yes. it, it's got that that <laughs> it's got that look to it. Um, but you know. Hey, if they're if they're working and growing on something, I think that's that's good. You know, it, it certainly looks fleshed out. There's a lot there. It's it's there not is. a yeah, and and you know, it's you don't often you know with that genre teams going in that art style, that direction, that three D can be a hell of a lot more work. So yeah, and yeah, I think good on them for giving it a go. Yeah, and I think the the best thing that they can possibly do in the vein of something like the big name roguelikes. You know, for example, your uh, Dead Cells, your, I don't know, I guess you could say Enter the Gungeon did this a little bit too, Risk of Rain. But I I think the best thing that they could possibly do is just keep updating with more content uh, just to flesh out the game even more so that... Best thing, just looking at it, it's it's a three-person team. So that's, you know, for a three-person team, it it looks pretty damn good. Yeah, I I, I do agree. It, It looks good, but I think that 
the more variety they can add to the game, yeah. the less samey things will feel on multiple replays. And that's that's what you need for a game like this because if your art assets are limited in nature, you've mm. got to you've you've either got to make more or you've got to vary them in some way. Yeah, or, or keep it short and snappy and keep that loop going quickly somehow. Right, and yeah. this loop does does not feel snappy. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we can we can leave it at that. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, nothing major. Just some some quick comments, really. I I got back into Clicker Heroes too, having set my computer up. So that's that's ongoing in the background as it does. Um, I don't know if you ever played many Clicker games, Evan, but you know they are a a weak point for myself. <laughs> I sit there. I will spend hours on them for you know a, a day or so, and then come back to it in a month and do the same thing. And just I don't know. There's something about it. Outside of that, the the tale of my Final Fantasy X uh, on goes again. I restarted for a third or fourth time. Uh, last time we spoke, I'd loaded it up on the PS2. Uh, it had some issues, had to restart. Then realized I also owned it on the Switch, so decided to play there. Then decided that I'd just rather play it on my computer because it was on Game Pass. So I'm... Four starts in but i'm still loading it up every few days so so i'm optimistic that in 2022 i may be able to finish final fantasy 10 all right let's make that a new year's resolution (laughs) if anything i will i will get past the first 10 hours of final fantasy 10 and i was gonna say if i ever land on the quest of play the opening hours of a game you've uh, played before yeah, yeah, i will uh, you know i could just restart it again maybe i'll jump on the xbox series <laughs> s and do it on that game pass as opposed to the pc so um, <laughs> yeah but no it, it's been good and you know i've never really jumped into game pass in depth there's a few other games i've been playing but um we'll keep keep that for the quests later on um, okay yeah uh, and, and I would just say, you know, again, I've never been someone who has wanted an Xbox. I've kind of felt that their uh, offerings have not really gelled with my you know, yeah. personal tastes. But man, Game Pass and really just some of the acquisitions uh, that they've the, made. The, the value is like, there's no question. I spoke to someone at work the other day and I, they'd bought a Series S, which is what I've got for their son. And I'm like, oh get them game pass and they're like he's 13 i don't want him playing too many games he's not getting game pass i'm like (laughs) that's all right that's probably the only reasoning you would have for not wanting to get game pass he's like i i bought him the two games he wanted you know he can he's got one he plays with his friends and another game he just want you know he used to play on an old console um and that's all he wants so he'll play that for a while and then we might get a new game next year i'm like you know what perfectly valid but yeah yeah, the, if... the value, although I have hit probably a tipping point now, it's been a month of me heavily hitting up Game Pass. Mm-hmm. I've I've hit that Netflix period of I've played everything I really want to play and now I'm kind of just opening games, playing an hour or I'm just sitting there and reading through the list and going, what do I want to try next? <laughs> um, which you know like i've tried a few other things this week i mentioned archvale i started a bit of bug fables last night finally and i can uh... see why you love that because my god that <laughs> that art style is like that's a modern take on the nintendo 64 art style which i'm finding extremely yeah. refreshing i i don't yeah. think i've ever seen that before and i'm that's oh, incredible i, I you know I, I dabbled back in a bit of monster train after you spoke to it 
Um, so yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I think like for myself, I'm not, you know, heck I've got a switch. I'm not big on graphics. I just got the series S it's a nice, it's, it's compact in size. It sits in my drawer. I've got a HDMI switcher here. Uh, you know, after we finish this call, I'll probably hit the HDMI switch button and just jump on the Xbox for a bit. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I, yeah, the, the value of game pass, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, I, I might go so far as to say that uh, maybe 2022 will be the year that I, I maybe get an Xbox. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> for me, once, you know, Elder Scrolls Six or anything like that lands, it's like, well, it's paid for itself. That's it. That's what I'm there for. And that's what I would be, you know, right. forking out 100 bucks for. Have you ever bought a game or have you ever bought a console for a game? I think is, is oh, a, is a that is a question. good question. You know, uh, I get those Nintendo surveys every time I buy a new game, and they always say, "Did you buy the console for this game?" <laughs> I've, um, I mean, realistically, the answer is probably Breath of the Wild, but I would have bought the Switch at launch. Um, I'm trying. That is a really good question. You know, I, I can't say that I've ever been so excited for a game that I've bought a console for it specifically. I think the PS4 had a tipping point of Horizon and Persona 5 coming out um around okay. you know around, you know that that for me was the tipping point of I'm going to go get a PS4. Um if if I hadn't owned a Wii U before Xenoblade Chronicles X was an, announced, I probably mm. would have bought one for that. Yeah. But uh, that's, I think, maybe the only, that's like maybe the only exception. Uh, you know what? My Game Boy Pocket I got would have been four Pokemon. Eh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's probably, like, that is a, I want a Game Boy because I want Pokemon because it is coming out and oh my God, I need this. That That's probably the only one I can think of that is 100% tied to a single game. Yeah. Huh, I can't. I can't really think of. No, it's for yeah. Personally. It's it's always a funny question, but no. I've like for me, if I I tend to either get them at launch if I know I'll play enough, or there's a tipping point of hey, there's a number of games here that I'm pretty keen to jump on, so it's yeah. it's it's worth dabbling in it now. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I mean, even a, hand, a handful of games can be the reason you you end up picking up a system, and that can make it worth it. With all of that out of the way, I think we're gonna move on to our quests. By the way, just in case you haven't noticed by now jeremy's not with us what <laughs> um uh which again unfortunately he had to bow out uh, for this week uh life comes at you fast we understand but that just means we're gonna get further and further with our quests so i think i can probably start this off nick if you don't mind sounds good to me my answers uh for the the quests that i have are it's pretty straightforward. Uh, I, I really hope answer. you've picked a series that I have played so we can at least have a nice discussion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> otherwise, it's a conversation of, I really hope you've done your research, Evan. Uh, yeah, well, that's that's funny. I mean, uh, my quest is an RPG series that I could just never get into or an RPG that I could uh, never get into. Mm. And I mean... This is this is a tough one because I have said on the show before that I'm not really a series person. I think the only there are some developers who have consistently made games in a series that have caused me to rebuy, but again, 
I can't really say that the reason I love Xenoblade Chronicles X is for the same reasons I love the original Xenoblade Chronicles, yeah. right? They just feel so different in that it's it almost doesn't seem fair to call them a series. Uh, but a lot of games, uh, uh, well, a lot of RPGs are parts of series. Often RPG fans uh, maybe subscribe to a certain series and they, they say to themselves, well, I, I am a Final Fantasy uh, sort of, you know, RPG enthusiast or, you know, uh, Kingdom Hearts enthusiast or uh, we can even say Dragon Quest uh, that, you know, those are all great Square Enix uh, yep. examples, right? The last time I actually talked about this quest, I did talk about Dragon Quest, um, which is just a series. Ah, that did you did you get this last time? Did you? I have. Yes. Ah. Uh, so now that now that I have to come across it again, I am yet again challenged with a series that has never clicked for me. Um, and honestly, what I've written here in the show notes is what what series have I really gotten into? <laughs> um, there, there, there are not a lot. I mean, you know, I I. I don't have a whole lot of history with Western um, RPGs, so yep. The Elder Scrolls is completely out of my realm. But I, I, I can't really say that I've never gotten into it because I've just never even tried it. Yeah. So I don't think that's really fair of me to say. I am going to go with a series that might surprise some people um, because it, as of right now, it's a trilogy. And I guess, you know you can get into semantics and say, oh, well, if it's a trilogy, then it's not really a series, but I'm still going to, I'm going to go for it anyway. Uh, the first game in this series, I have no interest in playing, uh, but that is because I've played the second and also the third uh, entry in the series, and that is the Torchlight series. Okay. So, Nick, you, are you familiar with Torchlight? I certainly am, having been a, a rabid, rabid Diablo fan. When, yes. um, you know, when everything happened, Torchlight 1 came out, I, I got into that. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. It was probably a hell of a lot more colorful than I was expecting, um, you know, in comparison to Diablo. And then Torchlight 2, I want to say, came out, what, pretty much the same time as Diablo 3. Um, yeah. And I think I I just sunk into Diablo 3. So for me, I, I kind of tapered off after 1. So I, you know, it's interesting now to hear your thoughts given you've played <laughs> oh, the, really? the others. Okay, yeah. all right. Well, uh, so Torchlight One, I don't know all that much about. Um, I know mostly of the Torchlight series because of Torchlight Two. Mm -hmm. I played a bit of co-op uh, with a friend um, for a long period of time, uh, and I really I did taper off uh, a whole lot. I guess I would say I'm just maybe not much of a fan of the gear-based rpg and i've played a number of gear gear-based rpgs and i would say that there are some exceptions to this rule mm. i love monster hunter which is extremely gear-based but the sorts of systems and combat that you're seeing in monster hunter are not similar to these again i could call them isometric but i don't really think that's a fair uh i think you know yeah. it's 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 your loot based action rpg that's that's sure. pretty much you know it's it's click and it's it's get items that's that's the loop yeah uh and 
my experiences with Torchlight 2 made me question whether or not I would ever want to get into Diablo. It's the reason that I haven't picked up Diablo uh, mm. Remastered. It's the reason I never played uh, Diablo 3. Um, it's the reason that, honestly, I wasn't really even sure I'd get into Borderlands. But I did end up you know, playing the first Borderlands and actually enjoying it for a fair amount of time. Uh, before kind of losing uh, my connection with my co-op buddy for that game. Yeah. But yeah, this this gameplay cycle lacks feedback for me. It 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 lacks uh, some sort of tangible uh, reaction. Uh, some some maybe even the the word I'm looking for is a, like a visceral sort of sense um, because these are really they're very much about clicking. Uh, to get yourself to the right place, uh, aiming your spells and letting them off as fast or uh, with with as much uh, speed as you possibly can so you can kill things. Yep. Um, and to me, that 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 is a sign of an efficient build. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, and then, you know, there's also the, the loot, you know, element of this, but Torchlight 2... A lot of the looting that I was doing and the gear that I was getting didn't feel like it was impacting my build in any yeah, way okay. or shape or form. And I don't know if you feel that that's different in Diablo or I, if that's the same. I think 100%. I mean, it's even then, it's, it's drastically different in Diablos 2 and 3. They both okay. meet that need, but in a different way. Diablo 3, you know, your your stats are, are going up by 10 to the nth degree. Um, okay. Diablo 2, they're going up a small bit, but, you know, it's what I've always found they do well is, you know, you want to dig into, you know, frost armor if you're a frost mage because it will have the bonuses that stack. Or maybe you dabble in something else that gives you a little buff that works quite well, but you don't want to expel a skill point into that. So you're now at a point of searching certain armor or, you know, embedding certain gems in certain armors to make sure that you've got that bonus or that thing that correlates really well with how you've built your build. Yeah. And, and it, I don't know, to me, like just playing Torchlight 2, I felt like I was really erring more towards just what gear had better stats and yeah. maybe 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 that's just because i'm new to this genre or style of game it, it, it can and i can't recall what the loop is like in torchlight but especially early on in diablo when you are starting off on those lower difficulties it, you know it is a game it's the type of game where you you're meant to increase the difficulty and it's not oh it makes it harder it's because your stats increase you need to go up a rank you need to start facing and you just need to keep going higher and almost like a tornado just spiraling up um you know your character and the enemies spiraling up in sync so uh, unless you find that balance it can just be what's the point yeah and i guess i, I you know again starting torchlight on normal i just didn't feel like anything was all that difficult i mean yeah. there were times where yeah maybe my health went down but the amount of recovery items that they had given me i was able to just jack yeah. it right back up and, and, and that's like, pretty much the same for diablo 2 and 3 you know it's the first 10 hours uh even though you're doing the same thing every 10 10 15 hours you know it's it's to prepare you so it's almost like the tutorial phase so to, to, I, I, yeah you've got to push through and that unless it happens you completely get if it doesn't click with you it's not something you're going to want to do to, yeah and I, I think maybe it's just not for me 
Um, yep. Because again, I go back to something like Monster Hunter, where so much of the moment to moment gameplay is making sure you're slightly dodging a monster so that you don't die um, and, and keeping yourself and your resources uh, active and, and, and making sure that you have, uh, you know, just the opportunity to get your licks in. Um, yeah. And it, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel that way with, uh, with, with Torchlight. It, did, it feels did you like try exploring, I guess the different, and I can't remember what they're like in Torchlight, but in Diablo, the, the different character types play so differently. Uh, well, that's the thing is that looking at the character variety in Torchlight, I think there's maybe there's four, maybe five classes in tw- yeah. in two, um, and they, you know, they kind of each have maybe three different sub builds that you can get into. Yeah, okay, but again. I think one of the one of the elements that displeases me about some some RPGs, and I should say that this is it's not a broadly um, applicable uh, sort of gripe, but sometimes the bonuses are just a little bit too incremental, uh, and it doesn't really feel like you're getting you're you're growing in a way that feels all that substantial yeah um, you you get a new piece of loot bam i'm up the 35 percent i need to surpass the next two hours of the game do yeah, it again yeah even then just some of your skills you know like you might get a an aoe attack or an attack that goes in a line but yeah they're they're going to be very situational and sometimes maybe you're not even going to use uh one or the other all that much just because you hit hard enough to kill most things yeah so i i will be honest i did not explore um the different classes all that much i played as a very unique class in torchlight 3 um but something that turned me off a whole lot about that game is that from an aesthetic standpoint it didn't feel like much of a step up from torchlight 2 yeah which a consistency of art style is all well and good don't get me wrong but the gameplay also didn't feel like much of a step up and from torchlight uh, thinking 2. to it now i think i did dabble in torchlight 2 a little bit and i think it, it just felt like an expanded torchlight one whereas if yeah. you and you know hey they were what two three years apart whereas you look at diablo 2 and 3 they were 15 years apart um, which it absolutely screws with my head that I think Diablo 3 came out in like what, 2010, 2011, 2012, something like that, which yeah. I remember at the time going, oh my God, it's been 10 years since Diablo 2. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here going, oh my God, it's almost been 10 years since Diablo 3. But with the cycle and how things work now, you know, Diablo 3 got released on the Switch on consoles. It's it's had a major rebuild once you know that after the first launch year so it, it doesn't feel like it's been that long yeah um whereas yeah i mean torchlight i don't see there being another one especially after torchlight 3 and what they did there with the whole uh was a free-to-play sort of more free-to-play mechanics and, and style i i get yeah. that these are online games but i think what makes diablo special is that there's such a rich tapestry of story there. Like it's, it's, you know, and they've got 10 years between games that, that carry on from each other to go, well, hey, what is happening with this person since then? Oh my God. You know, they in game time go, oh, this has happened since the previous hero has come through and, and these are now the threats that face the world. And I think it's, that's very refreshing. 
so just one last thing that I would touch upon uh, in regards to Torchlight, right, is that I, I get the lore thing very much, yeah. but to go back to a loot-based RPG that I do love, Monster Hunter, mm. there's no lore there. No, there's no story. It is you're beating up monsters. That's all you're gonna do. Um, and to me, when I when I look back at my experience with Torchlight, it was click and kill things so I can get loot, yeah. and then there'd be a big narrative dump of text. Yeah, and I was like, this is the antithesis of what I've just been doing for the past. Yeah, 10 15 yeah. minutes yeah it's like why, why why would i care about any of this and so i just skip through all the lore and i think that that you know if you're going to set up a gameplay style that is very much impulsive and very forward momentum you don't want to slow down your 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 player by making them absorb that lore and you know i think maybe yes diablo does have uh, a legacy uh, to contend with and and that's why people might want to yeah. stop and read that lore but i mean for a world like torchlight where even the premise of that second game i was like i, I yeah I it's it, there's I you know if there what there's a lot to cram in there in such a short space and i guess for you you know if you do want to get into this style of game or really try it it is the type of game that if you jump on when diablo 4 comes out it, it's it's the zeitgeist you know it is it is a, well, I don't know what it will be like now with where Blizzard is and, and what the world thinks of them, but the hype that builds up around that community and just its ability to eat itself and destroy itself and, you know, that just so much goes on within that community in such a short space that it's, it's exciting to be a part of, especially yeah. when it's a, you know, once every 10 year um, event. Yeah, I get that. And, you know, I guess there's the part, there's the there's the online community part of, mm. of these games too, where you go online. Hey, what's the best build for this sort of character? Yeah, and like, I, I oh, don't even I've dabble been... in that. I, I just, de- what's the fun build, you know, what, what do I enjoy doing? And for me, it's, if it's, I'm a mage, I like just blasting, you know, bolts of lightning that spread, or if I'm necromancing, just, just enjoying doing that. So, you know, it's, it's fine. Cause uh, unless you're getting up to the top, top level, it doesn't matter what build you've got. Sure. It, it, um, it, you know yeah and, and and to go back to again the class discussion in, in torchlight there was nothing in torchlight 2 as unique as a necromancer um which i thought was a huge bummer yeah um and I, I think that's that's a huge strength of i mean people restart these games in order to play as new characters because yep. they want to to change their their gameplay experience yep and but, like diablo 2 i did exactly that i played the first 15 20 hours as an assassin and i thought you know what this build isn't working for me and it's not just the build it's the gameplay i just restarted as a mage um and just enjoyment went up skyrocketed something else that i've heard from people is that when you find the gameplay you know rhythm when you find the build that fits into a rhythm that really yep. works for you these games become comfortable yes and that almost might be the <laughs> that might be the element that is uh, antithetical to what what i like about <laughs> maybe yeah. uh ga- gameplay challenge which well and, is... and if you don't have you know like obviously i've got the history with these games i know what styles of characters what 
I generally will enjoy doing in these games. But if you are new to these series, you've got to go through that exploration period first of, hey, I've got to play 20 hours with this character type. Oh, this is bad. Is this a bad game? Let me try it again. And if you hit two or three characters in a row that just aren't gelling with you, maybe it's the fourth one that will, but who has the time to be doing that? Yeah, and unfortunately, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> we, we live in an era now where there's more games accessible to us than ever. And uh, do I have the patience for that sort of thing? In another life, might I have been a Diablo or Torchlight fan? Potentially. Um, but I've been kind of put off from this maybe even whole genre yeah. uh, in, in a lot of ways. So I'll leave it at an RPG series and say Torchlight, but that doesn't mean that I'm not open. Yeah. Uh, I, all I'm hearing is Diablo 4 comes out, grab it, we'll jump on. And <laughs> I, I find like last time I played it, I've got, you know, just a, a group of friends from a forum I used to post on. There's, you know, five to 10 people there that jumped on Diablo 3 when it came out. And it's just, just having that enough people, but not strangers is is the refreshing way to do it people you just know a little bit or or know you can jump on with them consistently um because then you've got the right character types working together i think that like my interest in this uh style of gameplay isn't totally dead i think Mm. that the that risk of rain 2 in particular which kind of rogue likes yep uh, these gameplay mechanics is a game that I love. And if I find the right group of people, I can play that game for hours. So I'm open to it. I really am. But uh, that's, that's all I'll say about this series and why I have never gotten into it. So Nick, tell us about your quest. My quest was an RPG with a story-driven mechanic. And to quote my wife, they're all story-driven. All they do in your silly games is talk and you just click through text boxes. So it's the entire genre. No, um, I given we've gone two weeks, I've thought I would present two answers, Evan, and let you pick which one you want to hear about. Now, okay. one of these games, I'm pretty sure you have played or feel strongly about it not being an RPG. And another <laughs> game I don't really think is an RPG, but it dabbles in so many genres, you could argue it's pretty much every genre. So the two games I'm putting forward are Paper Mario and the Origami King or Spore, the 2008 Electronic Arts Life Simulator or God Game. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, That's a toughie. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say either of these are RPGs, uh, but I'm already disappointed enough in the paper mario series that i don't think i need to hear anybody else talk about that uh so i'm gonna go with spore excellent choice um so for those of our listeners that are let us say younger than evan and i and evan i don't know what what your recollection of the year 2008 is but the sims at that point were possibly the largest pc game of all time you know, Indeed. you had um, Will Wright who made The Sims. He, you know, decided to move on and make something different. And the the world starts speaking of this game Spore. And it's like, well, what is Spore? You are a, fuck, a, a what, a single-celled organism that grows and evolves to the point of being a civilization taking over planets. And I just remember the build-up 
to this launch and at the time i think it was the most pirated game of all time or something ridiculous because it was very hard to track down and you know 2008 prime piracy years that's sort of oh, that yeah. you know <laughs> but before people have got their acts together but just an, you know just enough there that everyone's at you know got the internet that is capable of doing these things and and spore and it's a funny one to talk about because you know, if if we were doing a podcast on Forex Sims or on, you know, civilization strategy games or or RPGs or a number of other genres, I could probably just lean on Spore. Um, so you know, gameplay wise, like I said, you you start off as a single celled organism. You're just floating around on a two D, uh, you know, a top down two D plane, collecting up uh, food, be it grass or meat, depending on if you're a herbivore or carnivore collecting and eating as you get more and more points you then evolve your creature by mating with another creature of the same species and when that happens you can go oh well i want to add a little horn to my single-celled organism or i want to add a tail that means i can swim faster from there you eventually evolve to the more it's almost the the exploration phase of the game where you land and you're i've just got a document i'll flick over to where i've got the names of the creature stage they call it where you're actually playing as one of these creatures you developed from a single-celled organism and exploring land you know you've got a small nest you go to other nests you interact with these creatures if you're a carnivore you progress by attacking these creatures eating them and you know gaining their sweet brain nutrients if you're a um, a herbivore you go and befriend them you sing you dance you you make friends and i'm actually playing it currently as a herbivore which i don't think i've ever done so that's quite interesting Uh, (laughs) and and why i i call in that this is a part rpg and i mean heck there's no story here the entire thing the entire mechanic is just what it is it's you know your story is that you are a creature going through life and that is your entire mechanic you are going through the life cycle of this species you know once again you move from that creature stage you get to the tribal stage where you're actually banding about a group of your creatures you're going around you're visiting other tribes that kind of thing then you get to the civilization stage which is a bit like you know your civilization games you're building buildings you're building cities and preparing to explore the wider world as a community and then from there you become the space stage which is basically a 4x sim where you're traveling around planets exploring fighting them in your spaceships you've designed it's it's an insane game and i'm always a bit saddened as to how poorly it was received at the time (laughs) because i absolutely love the game and every every three or four years i load it up i play for a couple of days and i just go through the whole the whole thing and then i just close it down you know i loaded it up this week and i had a save file there my last save file was 2018 so i seem to be on a three-year spore cycle if we will um, but with regards to RPG and it, it's not a traditional RPG, these God games never are, but you know, if you play something like a black and white or anything like that, you're, you know, what is an RPG? Evan, we, we've had this discussion <laughs> so many times. You are, yeah, here we you, go. <laughs> you are expelling. I mean, especially if we look in the cell stage in the creature stage, I am achieving experience points. I am using those to purchase upgrades for my character those upgrades increase my capabilities, be it combat, be it attacks. 
you know, especially going through that creature stage, it is an action RPG, uh, you know, a pretty poor one, mind you. But you're leveling up, you're attacking tribes, you're acquiring items from these tribes, you're then mating, you're having the next generation come through, you're upgrading, you're going, well, okay, instead of these claws, I want to have these giant wings on my back so I can just fly around and go and collect things. So, fuck it. What, what, again, we, we go back to what is an RPG. No one knows. Evan, you don't know. You stop bad-mouthing Zelda. Um, but, you know, it, it's, 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 such a, it's such an amazing game for how much it does. And I think it does miss the mark on every single stage. But it's so close. And that's what frustrates me so much. And I really just wanted to talk about it because, A... The story is just that you're evolving and that is the entire mechanic. There is no story other than the fact that you're a creature that exists in this world. So I, it's one of those ones of, it's such a simple story because there is no story, but that is now the gameplay mechanic. So the entire story is the gameplay mechanic. And I could not think of a better representation of the quest than the entire mechanic being what drives the entire game being the purpose of the game uh, you know and it's it's story is just what do you want it to be i want to be a bloodthirsty villain that when i get to the space stage i am destroying cultures i i want to be a herbivore that goes around and befriends and grows my galactic empire what i normally do is just get to the space stage and travel around until i find earth and then be done with it because that's always fun i think the first time traveling around growing up and just finding uh, the soul system was was very special um especially you know when you're you're not looking at game guides you're just looking at you know online overviews of the milky way where is earth in general and sort of lining up with the graphical representation in game and going well we're located around this branch of you know the the spiral so i'm going to travel around there and try and find it and i've probably given you a very soft answer to this quest evan and no doubt there'll be some some offline words coming my way but I, I feel that this game deserves its representation and given its story is Evolve, that's, that's why I have tied it down as its entire thing is its mechanic. And that is why I chose Spore, because its lack of story is its narrative and that is the entire mechanic in the game. Well, th- this would be the opportunity where if you were... Uh, telling this tale to an entire uh, lecture hall of, uh, of dare I say, gamers, uh, one person would start to clap very slowly and then they'd all join, join it, it, together. Exactly. The, the revolt browsing. would finally begin. Round of applause. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, okay. <laughs> It's, 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 it's such a broad game. It's so difficult to tie it down to any one genre that it's just, it's a, it is a bizarre game. And I, and I kind of really wanted to talk about it because I realize now it has been 13 years since it came out. And, you know, we may have listeners that have never heard of this game. You know, if, if you've got a spare moment and you do want to just, especially the lore of, you know, the, the time frame of when this was created, how big and how important the team were creating this to the PC gaming space, it, you know, it, it's a bizarre adventure. 
It, it certainly is. The amount of ambition that existed in the concept for Spore is so staggering. It is uh, terrifying in some ways. But, um, I mean, you've taken... you've. I, I, I love the way that you approach many of these quests. Because, again, if we come back to this idea of semantics, you take <laughs> the semantics of the 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 quest phrasing and you really run with it and i, I, I... want to find the rpg in every game i think that's you know it's 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 fi- finding the good in everyone but finding the rpg in everyone i, I, I guess so but e- even more than that I, I don't think when i first started this <laughs> podcast i never imagined that we'd be talking about spore uh and it isn't and... your life better for it uh, it is. I mean, <laughs> sp- well, Spore sport is a magical game, and you, your your passion and and your your almost incredulousness uh, towards the nature of this game is is palpable. Uh, trust me. But um, yeah, I mean, it is a story based mechanic, I suppose. It, it, it's a narrative based mechanic, certainly, and. You know what? What better narrative is there than uh, the narrative of the progression of life, right? Uh, exactly. So you, you don't you don't have a lot of nuance to this narrative, but that uh, that doesn't make it any less compelling. And I mean, on the flip side, with Paper Mario, like you said, is it an RPG? Well, barely anymore. But I I do find, and I'll just touch on it, the narrative in that game. I find fascinating for just how it all ends. And I don't know if you've played that to the end, but with regards to, you know, you're facing off against these origami bad guys, where do they come from? What is their history? You know, obviously the entire game mechanic is fighting and exploring these origamis that are destroying the world and have stolen um, Peach's castle. But just when it ties back to why they were created in the first place uh, and, and, and what that, ends up happening or what that ends up doing to the game i i think is quite lovely um but probably less of an rpg than spore you know the the direction that i would have taken this uh personally would be a mechanic that uh you know is an element of of gameplay in in some way but is influenced by the narrative so you know i i, I get I get the example that you're you're giving with uh, with the Origami King. I mean, you do have. I mean, at least not in in the Origami King, but I remember in Sticker Star, mm. you have spiky Goombas who, rather than being Goombas with hats, are Goombas who curl up in a cone shape and therefore are pointy at the top, mm. um, which is narrative base as in this takes place in a paper world Mm. um but is a gameplay mechanic 100 and and i think you know if i had not spoken about it previously uh, or you know spoken about chrono cross i probably would have just landed on chrono trigger as yeah yeah the simplest the simplest form of this yeah, but um, I, I but don't get me wrong. I, I I love the direction that you've taken with this. I love Spore as an answer. Uh, it's extremely unique, and hey, it gives us an opportunity to talk about this game that is that you know. Again, we think about the ambition that was in some of these in the hearts of some of these creators. 
um, after, you know, being so hugely successful and, and rising in, in so many ways. I mean, it's, it, it goes back to, <laughs> I don't want to say hubris because, you know, in some ways Spore is successful at, at being this extremely expansive, uh, concept executed in gameplay form. But, you know, if you think about the Sims, right. Uh, or, or Sim City, right. Mm. You, you're dealing with extremely grandiose concepts. And so if you're able to execute on these well enough, uh, developers, they, they have to become more ambitious. And I, and I think that's more. it. And, you know, if you take, you know, the Sims and Sim City are in, are probably aligned closely with components of Spore, but For because sure. they were so narrowed down in scope, they absolutely nailed what they needed to do. And I think, you know, Will's just attempt to tackle all of these scenarios at once unfortunately fell short but you can certainly <laughs> see there was a a want to where he wanted to be and i think he he was he was close but yeah yeah but i i think it really just speaks to uh, especially in those early early 2000s the aughts dare dare i say mm. some people like to call them <laughs> um there there was such a, a perspective of like wow gaming can open so many doors uh to us in so many ways and, and have yep. us explore concepts and, and you know we're still exploring these concepts to this day but it's in a completely different way and to 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 come up with the 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 process of life as being your your gameplay mechanic hook that's that's a it's hell a, of a yeah, thing exactly but then again, they did it uh, at least, I believe, a decade before with Evo, right? Are you familiar with that game at all? I've heard briefly of it, but and I think you know some of those God Sims that were coming out in the late '90s, early 2000s are. Uh, there's just a, 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 you know, some of the creators all around that time were just, I, I, yeah, I think had a had a God complex, Derek. I, I, I think so, and you know, <laughs> and it was probably we we probably really got lucky that they were at a time when game creation was dare i say it simpler you know it required less people right. um whereas now you probably do and thankfully now the indie scene is growing to a point where these people can and can still create but you probably had a period of the of the late 2000s through to you know 2018 or so where unless you were a bigger studio your your voice was not being heard and, yeah and you probably did lose a lot of those people um to to that and to go back to what we talked about earlier, and I think this is maybe just sort of a, a great way to wrap things up, mm. uh, even the the less diverse the industry was back then, <laughs> because we just had fewer developers, you know, yep. development studios. The more attention a game like this got, which is maybe why the feedback and people being disappointed with the yep. the execution of the concept was so was such a big thing and, and yeah, felt like you, it was everywhere. You, you really didn't have those little sort of side double A games. You only had triple A games or, you know, a, a sequel. That, like that was it. You couldn't branch <laughs> out. So maybe maybe the maybe there is another spore out there right now that people just aren't aware of. Exactly. Of a sub genre spun off and now it's a uh... Sp- spore likes. Yes. Spot likes. That's a that's a terrifying concept. Uh, well, no, but uh, thank you very much for that. Answer. That's right. I was to say, speaking of terrifying concepts, shall we uh, move on to taking our roll next again? Quests? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I guess so. 
Uh, listen, we're we're both rather close to uh, another enemy encounter, which some of us may or may not uh, intend to take on. I, I went first with my quest, so Nick, do you want to uh, pick this up and, and roll first? Certainly. I, I will say I'm actually really looking forward to Quest 30, which is an RPG first release before 1990, because I've, you know, you and I have discussed before, Evan, about sort of some of those really old school 80s, RPGs that sort of the progenitors of JRPGs, especially on the PC engine, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I've um I've got a short list that I'm sort of been thumbing through and and trying to find. So I I'm, I'm I will be holding myself for that one, especially because I'm quite keen to yes. to dabble in something. So I will now roll, and I have rolled a four. Okay, well that does take you at least to enemy encounter number. Uh, two, which is uh, 20 on our quest board. Are you going to jump beyond that? I think I will jump beyond that, or I could start Final Fantasy X again. Um, <laughs> but no, I think I will jump forward because that takes me to a an RPG with bad gameplay, but an amazing story. Mm. It, it's an interesting one because, you know, if if the gameplay is bad, it's it's sometimes it is difficult to stick with a game. So I'll have to go back through but you know i suppose it's bad gameplay too it's not subpar gameplay so that's the that's the tricky part yeah i mean you're you you might have to do a little bit of researching i i think so there are maybe some games that i could that i could think of i honestly don't think i have ever stuck with a game because of its story i think gameplay is is hugely important to me yeah so i'm if that's not good, I mean, it's it's one of the defining parts of the medium, right? So if that's not good, I, I usually don't stick with it. Uh, I, I'm there, 100%. There, there are a couple of games that I can think of that I've heard people talk about that maybe we'll we'll touch on maybe after we finish this, yes, this episode, yes. finish recording this episode. Um, but I will follow uh, your lead and roll as well. And I ended up getting a four. <laughs> so I, I could I, uh, just jump right ahead of you as well. I will say I'm I'm quite excited for this, this if you do take the next quest, because this is one I've had my eye on, as, as I think there could be some very interesting discussions to occur. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to go for it. Yep. I am not... I, I, I really should just be cutting my initial... Uh, rather than the Zelda that it seems to <laughs> always float next to uh, my initial. Yes, for no, the but... listeners, uh, whenever Evan rolls a quest, Jeremy and I just write Zelda question mark next to it. Um... Yes, because you love torturing me. <laughs> no, but my quest is a retro RPG that does one thing better than modern releases, and this is this is the kind of discussion topic that I love to sink my teeth into yeah uh so i i i've been looking forward to a quest like this uh, very much myself so by all means nick if you have some ideas for this too uh i can't wait to hear maybe what you would contribute to a quest like this as well i mean just touching on it it, it's fascinating because you look at the difference between a, you know, we'll say a, a Super Nintendo turn-based JRPG between a modern interpretation of those. There's so many features that have been removed that most people hate, you know, random battles. Even a lot of the turn-based encounters are now just being gutted from some of these games. 
Yeah. But, um, you know, there's so many mechanics that have probably just been lost to time that, and it depends, you know, is it, is it something that you enjoyed that other people don't, um, <laughs> you know, like, but you know, there, there's a Good lot thing. there that I think has just been taken out over time due to quality of life changes that certain people will just miss. Yeah. And of course, then we also need to come into the discussion of what is retro, right? Yes, yes. Uh, where do we where do we stop? I, I'm gonna go with a pretty, I think a pretty agreeable uh, term that that I've heard applied to retro, which is uh, something that was released at least uh, fifteen years or more. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm completely on. That's you know that that gets your your GameCube and Xbox generation, which I'm sorry they are retro now. Um, I I completely agree. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's make, that's you a, can make me feel old uh, yes. definitely by saying that, but uh, I, I don't think you're wrong in saying. That. All right, well that sounds that sounds good. I, I I'm liking uh, I'm liking that. I'm looking forward to this next episode. What I will say before we get into plugs, though, uh, this might be these quests that we're taking on right now, I think might be our first quests of the new year, um, because we are recording this episode on the 17th of December. Next week is a holiday for, you know, some people who, you know, celebrate that whole Christmas thing. So I don't think we will be recording uh, another quest-based episode but uh we here at the podcast have kind of tossed around the idea of maybe just a a little end of year uh mini episode where we maybe talk about some of our favorite releases of the year so that would probably be smaller a little bit uh, more concise than uh how how most of our episodes have been going so far but uh you know as we close out the year uh you know i i do just want to say i'm i'm very thankful um, and I know Jeremy's not here to hear hear this, which is good because I wouldn't be saying this if he had used his job skill to uh, to screw over my role. I would not <laughs> be thankful in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> but no, I will say that uh, you know, back uh, in the summer, I, I started uh, working on this podcast, and I feel very, very fortunate to have the opportunity to speak. Uh, on a weekly basis with people who love the same uh, the same kinds of games as me and, and who come up with great arguments for games like Spore um, on the on the weekly. Uh, so I'm also thankful to any of our uh, listeners. I know you are out there. I do get uh, information about people who listen <laughs> um, uh, through our uh, anchor uh, aggregates and 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 whatnot but uh where we i think at the podcast are thankful for all of our listeners and, and thankful to have this opportunity so nick i just wanted to also thank you personally no 100 percent, and me. and thank you evan and you know this this opportunity i think I've, I've discussed before yourself and jeremy you know you guys write for for switch rpg and 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 do sort of your own thing i i don't have an outlet like that so for me this has been quite fascinating just you know having having the ability to sit here and especially learn from yourselves has been fascinating you know it's a genre i love but having having you know like-minded people to just sit here and and have a conversation with you know that's that's what it is it's been great fun um and especially you know thank you to our listeners and you know it's but you know we hope hope that it you know this has been enjoyable um for some of you out out there and you know we know there's 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 dozens of you 
Um, and, and we do appreciate the time that, you know, you spend listening to us waffle on each week. And we hope <laughs> hope that there's some things there that, you know, you enjoy or laugh about. And, and you know, if there's certainly, you know, any feedback, it's it, it would always be wonderful to hear. Um, even input, you know, if we're, you know, if you've, you've got anything, any games that you guys feel are, are worth talking about that you might think are outside of our wheelhouse, we would love to hear that. Because I think hearing, you know, outside of the three of us, if there's, you know, a world of RPGs that we, we seem to be oblivious to, it'd be amazing to hear about those and, and why should we look into those? And I think that's a perfect opportunity to segue into our plugs, right? So if you do have any comments for us, uh, you can always uh, hit us up on Twitter at RPG Podquest uh, or send us an email. Uh, we do have an email address for the podcast itself. It's RPGPodQuest at gmail.com. Uh, we are all over uh, the podcast hosting services. We're on Spotify, Apple, Google, a whole bunch of others that I listed maybe two episodes ago, but now I completely forget. Uh, Nick, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, they can find me and my two retweets at RPG Nick with two eyes and my <laughs> three nice. followers. Let's get that to four by the end of the year. Yeah. Ooh. And we've, we've got a very limited amount of time b- before that. Uh, <laughs> and what about, that... Your, what about yourself, Evan? Where can they find you? Uh, they can find me, of course, of course, at RPG Seb. Uh, that is the letter R P G S E B. Uh, and I frequently tweet about things like Pokemon and Edge of Eternity being a cloud-based game. Um, and I have a f- just a few more uh, followers than Nick. But uh, let's, see, let's see if I can <laughs> more, get that more, too. more than just us. And, and I guess we should shout, you know, Jeremy at RPG underscore writer. And I think, you know, Jeremy spoke last week. He's, he's sort of starting to dabble into some real into some writing again, which I think is exciting. So, you know, definitely follow him if you're, if you're keen to hear about that. Yeah, he's been pretty consistently uh, releasing some great content, great short stories. Um, so if if you have any interest in sci-fi or fantasy or what have you, uh, definitely uh, check out some of his stuff over there. But uh, with that being said, I think, Nick, we've got to head out on our next quest, right? Uh, there is no time to lose, especially as we draw closer to the end of the year. Exactly right. And thank you very much, Evan. And, you know, if we, we manage to find the time for that little mini episode, I look forward to that. Otherwise, thank you to all our listeners. And we will see you in this format next year. Take care, everybody. 